Hey everybody and welcome along to this week's edition of the Irish Golfer Podcast. Peter Finnan here and joined by Rona McNamara. How are, are we? you getting on? Good, good, good. It's nice to know what sunburn feels like now. <laughs> seven weeks without it. Oh no, it's been a, it's been a nice few days, hasn't it? Has been nice. Weather's back to the way it should be. Um, yeah, controversial few hours. So we've held off on the recording of this podcast until Ryder Cup Europe. Luke Donald had announced his uh, picks. Bit mental. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, going into the picks, you'd have said five of the six probably picked themselves, and you're thinking it's probably a toss-up between Nikolai Hogard and Ludwig Aberg, and just by the way Donald have been talking about Aberg leading up to the Omega Masters there at the weekend, you'd have said if Aberg wins, he'll get in ahead of Hogard, but to pick the two of them and leave out Adrian Moronk, for me, is absolutely baffling. Yeah, there's something, like, I'm I'm definitely, I was shocked when I seen it. Now, I did get a few messages last night. Uh, some bits had leaked to a few sources that I'd know. And, yeah, they, they did say that uh, they think Moronk has been left out. And I was shocked because, like, last week when we went through our teams, our probable teams, like, we had most of it, most of it picked itself. Like, it was, and it was just when it came down to those last few names. And... I said before he even won, Aberg will get a pick, that he's been asked to come across for a reason. He finished, as, as a transport, he finished fifth and first in the two events that he played. But, like, he was asked to come across for a reason. Never in a million years. I thought it was just a straight toss-up between him and Hodgart, between him and Nikolai. But um, for Adrian Morang to be left out, there's obviously something... Uh, it's, uh, like... Something in the stats, something in the numbers that Luke Donald wants in the matchups that he um, just sees in Hodgegaard that he doesn't see in Moronk that he wants in the team and he wants as part of the team. But it's a very, very tough. Like, can you imagine that phone call that Luke Donald had to make? Yeah, and you'd love to know how Moronk took it, and especially now this this week at the Irish Open, how he plays will be interesting. But like it's so incredibly harsh. Like he's won three times in the last fifteen, sixteen months. Obviously, Irish Open champion, Australian Open the start of the year, and then the Italian Open on the Ryder Cup golf course. You think of all the statements of intent yeah. any one of those players could have made. He made one of the biggest. But like I came in here today, driving over, ready to kind of have my defence of Nikolai Hogard ready and say how harsh it would be for him to miss <laughs> out to Aberg, but for Morong to miss out is just it's astonishing, really. Because I think after the Irish Open win last year, you'd have had him, you know, singled out for a pick. And he played all four of the major championships as well this year, I think, as well. Yeah. So it's like, his European points list, I know he, he might have finished below Nikolai Hogar, but he's been across the pond m- multiple times this year. Yeah, and like, it's a str- like, when you think of that, like, the pressure situations that... Moronk has been in compared to Nikolai and compared to Aberg um, in majors and in big events, winning big events down the stretch and stuff like that. Not taking anything away from the other lads. Like, they're both exceptional players. But I just thought all of the... I suppose what the, the, we're, we're looking at it a totally different way. Like, Luke Donald obviously has stats, figures, numbers that he backs up these decisions with. But, like... It's just from a pure pressure point of view and a pure achievement being in that pressure cooker um, coming down the stretch in big events and being part of big events and feeling that pressure and performing under that pressure. 
I just thought Moronk was head and shoulders above the two of them, but like, I'm not picking the team. Yeah, and in fairness to Moronk as well, he did, like, he got into the top 50 for the first time there at the end of last year, and 63 was his lowest position this season, so he held that ranking really, to be fair, like 51 in the world. Now, just looking through his performances, probably the one thing you could aim at him is consistency. Like, not particularly consistent. Like, his last three starts, T13 in Switzerland, 62nd in the Czech Masters, which, looking back now, was pretty damaging. 23rd in the Open, which is very good. Miscut of the Scottish. Then 15-3rd, miscut, miscut. 5-41-21, miscut. Like, just miscuts thrown in there a lot of the time. So maybe, like, that's the only thing I can really look at from the face, but that might have gone against him, that little bit of consistency. Yeah, but, like, he's but like, still... He's won, like Shane Lowry's he's won twice this year. Yeah, and he's won twice this year as well. It's tough. It's just extremely... And I know they can only bring 12 lads, but... And, and you actually brought it up last week when we were talking about I was, like, fairly gung-ho on it and Aber getting in, and we might look silly in a couple of years if we didn't pick him. And But you made a valid point. What about these guys that are, like... Mr. European Tours, they're week in, week out performing. Then they qualify, go over, play their majors, and they're straight back in. And Moronk is one of those rank and file, like DP World Tour stalwarts that just turns up every week and performs. And yeah, just he's not being rewarded for it. Like it's, a, it's, I, I just can't get my head around it. Like it's, it's causing a bit of a stir online. Uh, like we said, it's a tough call for Luke Donald to have to make. He can only bring twelve players, and it was always there was always a battle between a few names. Aberg really did step into the plate, step up to the podium when he needed to, and that just made that. Then Bobby McIntyre doing what he did and actually securing his place. That means that you have to go and pick a Tommy Fleetwood and a Shane Lowry instead, and it just he didn't have many options, and it, like it came down, it came down to a. Moronk or Nikolai situation and he went with Nikolai but like Nikolai had a great hero cup at the start of the year as well like he performed well and he obviously fit in well with the team and gelled well and um, it's just I just find it hard to get my head around Ah, it's, it's, it's incredibly harsh and like you spoke there about him being a staple of the DP World Tour and not being rewarded for it like he's third in the race to Dubai as well like it's mental. It's it's, it's, it's nuts. mental. Like he's hired Bobby McIntyre, hired in Hovland, obviously because he plays in America. But like Moronk is on course now to earn a PGA Tour card. In fact, he will earn a PGA Tour card. And you just wonder, like, was this his best chance to make a Ryder Cup team? Because like in two years' time, how hard is it to go over and play on the PGA Tour? Get used to living over there. Like that could be eighteen months of his career that he kind of sacrifices just by getting that transition, getting used to being over in America. Like, this was probably his best chance he's going to have now for the next couple of editions, and yeah. he's not on the team. Ah, oh, it's rough. I can only imagine, like we said, imagine what he was like when he hung up that call. Like, it was rage, and I'd say the rage just turned into tears. Like, what do I... What more could he have done? Nothing. That's the thing. Like, I mean, it, you win three times in the cycle. You win on the golf course. You show your stats. Like, there's not an awful lot These are lot more. big events. He's, been, yeah, he's winning yeah. national opens. yeah. No, it's tough. Like so, like the six players. There was kind of six players on the. Obviously, Moronk has missed out. Rasmus uh, Hogard, your man Yannick Paul. He got off to an awful quick start there at yeah. Omega Masters. I thought he was going to ask a few questions. He was kind of the only one that could catch Bobby Mack. Uh, that didn't happen. Like, yeah, it's 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 mad to think like that. There's likes that you know, your Yannick Paul, your 
Before we want all the listens. Victor Perez. Maybe. Victor Perez did it again. That's two Ryder Cups in a row. He just faded away. Alex Noren. Pressure got to him. Alex Noren faded. Like, there was a lot of lads. Like Alexander, Bjork. Alexander Bjork was up there for much of the year as well. Langask. But like, these are fellas that they are going to go if they qualify automatically. And it's just weird to put Moronk in that category now after what's after happening. Because I'd have put, I think if McIntyre didn't qualify automatically, I wouldn't have picked him personally. So um, I think Moran can feel extremely, extremely hard done by. But that being said, it is a very good team. Yeah, it's probably what it boiled down to, isn't it? Like if if uh, Bobby McIntyre didn't make that automatic qualification, it would have been then a straight toss up between Moran and Bobby McIntyre. And yeah, that, that that would have caused controversy itself. But like Bobby Mack earned his way into the team. Fair play to him. Um, oh yeah, I agree with you. I still think it's a very strong team. It's and and this is the thing we're we're going exactly in the same way as what the Americans did last week with their team. Like I, I, I think yes, it's a really strong team. I would think Moronk adds more to the team than uh, some that are in there. With the Americans, uh, I think they actually have their strongest team. I I think like the whole Justin Thomas thing and. Uh, how that's transpired and Keegan Bradley and 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 guys like that being left Keegan out. Keegan Bradley's another guy. Like him, him yeah. and Moronk should have their own Ryder Cup. Just go off and play well, that's it, a weekend yeah. themselves. The match. The they match. should do the match <laughs> at the same time. The Friday morning, the Ryder Cup's kicking off. Play like someone needs to put up like ten million dollars or something. Like go the whole match, big pile of money. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. I could, I could buy into that. Um, but no, I, I, do, I do think we have a very strong team uh, When you look at the top to bottom uh, There's a nice blend of players in there It will be a good team room um, Yeah, I, I just think this is going to be a tight Ryder Cup I'm hoping it's going to be a tight Ryder Cup uh, I know from being to Marco Simone last year The sort of the course, the way they're going to set it up What they're going to do It won't be quite uh, La Golf National in Paris like As in a total home setup. They're going to let the shackles off a little bit, but this golf course will have a massive say in who wins the Ryder Cup, and uh, it'll play a huge part in it. Like, they haven't won a Ryder Cup in Europe for 30 years, yeah. the Americans. So, like, it is hard coming across here, and they have gone, they've copped on, like, they've gone for that team dynamic the Americans have of, that's why JT is in the team over Keegan Bradley, but, like, yeah, like, Bradley can feel very, like, Bradley and Moronk are just two guys... Every Ryder Cup we have that Someone's really disappointed But these guys I, d- I don't think there was an awful lot more That either of them could have done To actually make the teams Or to sway a captain away from a pick Of the people that they were bringing Yeah and Just listening to you there like, I think Keegan Bradley spoke of this himself About kind of this popularity contest That he thinks the Ryder Cup is starting to become and you'd wonder, like, there is a bit of a style over substance kind of an element to both of the, the wildcard picks. Like, Moronk, for as good as he is, you know, isn't... He's slow, his, you know, his pre, pre-shot routine is deliberate, to say the least. It's, you know, he just he's not a kind of a flashy kind of a guy, even though he does wear like, your bright-coloured shirts. Yeah. Whereas, you know, there's a real X factor about Nikolai Hogard and particularly Aberg as well. Like, Luke Donald's a massive fan of Aberg, and I think he was always going to... Always going to pick him when he kind of played with him in America and brought him over. He had the two vice captains playing with him there. 
last weekend. That's it. And the, can you imagine he the pressure really Aberg was, was on? He was being groomed. He was being groomed. Totally <laughs> being groomed. Like you'd imagine the pressure he was on in his own head. Like you're asked to come across, right? Come and play in these two events and show me. And he finishes fifth and then wins his first event. Like he's only played two events. He becomes, Aberg now becomes the first player in Ryder Cup history to play a Ryder Cup without having a major appearance. So he hasn't. He's never teed it up in a major, obviously. And it's like bringing Theo Walcott to the World Cup when he was like <laughs> seventeen or something. Yeah, but like he he turned out to be a savage player, <laughs> you know. But I like I did say last week. I just think if we didn't bring Aberg, we might be made to look silly in a couple of years because I think he is destined for John Ram style. Um, like he will be by the next Ryder Cup. He will be inside the top ten in the world. I don't think there's any question about that. Like it's good to see because. Watching the PJ Tour and how many times the commentators wax lyrical about these young gung ho Americans, and some of them are quite average as well, and say, "Oh, they're just made for the PJ Tour straight out of college." Like, regardless of how he gets on in the Ryder Cup, it's actually nice to have a European now in that category. Absolutely, and we've a few of them. Like, you know, Ram is still he's like he's he's not he's not around that long. You feels know, like he is, it though. feels like he's around forever. But like, yeah, we've so many. Um, I think a good crop of young kids like coming through. Two years after the whole thing in Wisconsin, you'd have been very worried about where Europe are going, where they're going to get a couple of pacings before they kind of turn a corner. And like you probably, I still expect America to probably win. Do you? At the end of the month. Yeah, yeah. But I think it'll be a lot closer than maybe first feared. Like I think Europe have a really strong one to eight that can definitely go to war with like all 12 Americans. It's I think, yeah, we're underdogs, but I think we'll do them. It's just such. It's the magnitude of what they like. the The course is going to have a massive effect on how Every, this is played out, and they're always favourites coming across here. Yeah, we uh, like everyone's nearly playing well at this stage for Europe as well. That's the like thing. You, you can hang your hat on the likes of Fleetwood, Hatton, Straka, you know, Larry Rose, McIlroy, Ram, Fitzpatrick, Hovland, those lads to play all five all five sessions. Yeah, and like you look at them all from a fitness point of view, from an age, youth, experience. Um, what they're at, we have that we have the perfect blend of just that young I don't give a shit mentality. Aberg, Nikolai, they'll just go at everything. Even Bobby McIntyre, mm. you know, like, like they won't wilt. I don't. I don't think our lads. Our lads are fighters. Looking at it, they won't wilt. The Americans are the same, but there is that expectation on the Americans. Like they are coming over here expecting to win. Their public back in the states, they just show blatant disregard for the European Tour. They always have uh, for the DP World Tour. Like they, half of them won't have heard of the Hodgegards. <laughs> you know, they yeah, won't have. Yeah, you know, they won't. And and that's they they'll be dismissed. You know, I would fancy like an Aberg or any like our rookies. There's no, you know, there's an there's unknown, no there's an unknown quantity to them, yeah. As well, like and especially Aberg and Hogard, like you could pair them with a one of the star turns of the European team and just let them go out and make birdies in a four ball. Can you imagine McIlroy and Aberg? I think that could happen. Yeah, no, so do I. I'm looking at the thing going that 100 percent because McIlroy's done well with rookies before. Yeah. Like he did a great partnership with Peters, was it? Yeah, in 2016, I think it might have been. Like so, McIlroy has form playing with rookies. I think it would be great. It'd be a real showcase kind of a pairing as well. Absolutely, I'm getting excited for Ryder Cup. I just like the balance of our team. I do think they have they have hit the nail in the head with their team. As in, they've learned from the mistakes of the past of <clears throat> just bringing along the twelve statistically best individual players and 
that's why Justin Thomas got the nod. Like he he undoubtedly makes their team a better team statistically. Based on the last six months, he might make it a worse team if you're looking at strokes gained this and stats around that. But st- like, if you just for team makeup for who he can be paired with for what they can do, Justin Thomas is a dangerous, dangerous man going to the Ryder Cup over here. And they like, they, they, that's pretty much the exact team that like put us to the sword the last time in Wisconsin. So, uh, you know, there's a few ins and outs on it, but like they have some serious experience coming across. They do, yeah, and. Like, you say that, but I don't really fear the Americans too much. Like, you wouldn't fear Sam Burns too much. On paper, obviously. Even Scotty Scheffler, you wouldn't. Play, you wouldn't fear. I know Wyndham Clark and Brian Harmon are major champions, but they're rookies. This is completely new for them. Ricky Fowler as well, been out of the out of the scene for a while. Justin Thomas hasn't played well. Scotty Scheffler hasn't played well. Showfly On the greens, show, only Scotty. Is, is as flaky as a dandruff fella with the head on. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is obviously all just... Um, hype talking on paper but like it's not as intimidating as I thought it would be and that's obviously because I think the European team is better than I thought it would be yeah no I I, I fancy our chance you're still pipping them to win though you think they'll beat us just about yeah, yeah but it'll be tight there'll be none of this 10-6 kind of crack going on going into the singles well we'll play this back now next month <laughs> I'll have changed my mind with a bit week. of luck <laughs> you're like me you're hanging around me too much I'm the flakiest with stuff I, I know I think uh, I think we'll do them I think it'll be close but I think we'll do them but um, yeah that's I think that's it for the Ryder Cup stuff um, you had a bit of a USA moment yourself at the weekend so you're literally fresh back last night from they only sing when they're winning yeah <laughs> from Edinburgh um, from the Walker Cup what was it like your first Walker Cup. I knew that. I knew you'd ask me this, and I'm trying to avoid all these cliched words. But it was. I'm not going to say it was unbelievable, or it was, it was just incredible. Yeah. Like better than any professional tournament you'd ever go to in your entire life. Like we have the Irish Open coming up this week, and on the on waiting in the airport and on the bus back from the Dublin airport to the car park, listening to like Irish people who are coming back and talking about their experience. And one guy said, I just couldn't be bothered going to the Irish Open, having to be restricted in behind ropes. You know, people going to see McElroy and Larry this week. Depends where you're standing. You won't get a look at them. Right? Whereas deep, Walker yeah. Cup, you can walk along the fairway, borderline chat to these guys as well. You can look in their bag, touch their bag, whatever. Like When they're putting, you are literally standing on the fringe of the green. It's an unbelievable experience. And like, yeah, just like Ryder Cup is coming up as well. But walk, Walker Cup is the greatest thing he could ever go to. Genuinely right. think that. That's it was class. unbelievable. Ah, it's good. It is. It's a, it's a serious experience. The Walker Cup is, and to to know that these guys, like you're watching the sergeants and the, these type of guys that you know are going to be there, as in some of the best players in the world, uh, over the next three or four years. Like some of those guys that you watched yesterday and over the weekend, will feature in the next U.S. Ryder Cup team. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not often you get to walk alongside a world number one for four or five days like is it how many people can say that yeah but it was interesting going over to St Andrews I obviously played it last year and I went to the Open then later that summer if I feel so I always feel bad in saying this I never really got the place never really hit me what it was all about but last weekend it did I think it was just the atmosphere was just outrageous the whole experience the fact the golf course is shut down for 20 players you're seeing it as true as form on a Walker Cup as well like the stands are great for 
I always find when I've been to St Andrews, the stands are unbelievable and the whole setup for an open championship at St Andrews, and it's breathtaking. But you you don't get that sort of eerie feeling of the golf course, the straight out loop back in. It's hard to put it all together when the stands aren't there and it's literally just the boards mm. on the tee box. That's it, one board and a and a whole number. Like and it, it's so natural and rugged and penal. Yeah, yeah. Like even though the rough was down. It was wispy and it was bouncing, it was fiery. The golf course was very fiery, so you could go into a lot of trouble. But like you spoke there about the grandstands, it's not a great viewing golf course, but there was just one loop, 7, 11, 10, and 8. All those greens are kind of around each other. So there was one little kind of a shack kind of a thing that had seats on it, and there was maybe four or 500 people there. And it was just like this amphitheater of noise because there was so much going on. Like you could be watching someone on the teeing off the 11th, but a puck goes in on the eighth, and you can cheer for that. Puck yeah, goes yeah. in on the seventh. A great shot goes into eleven. Like it was just that little experience that was just unbelievable. No, I have to say, from from an experience of it, I know you're talking now from being there. I was so disappointed in the TV coverage of it. I don't know. Did anyone remark to you about how poor the T? Like, I had a couple of people say they couldn't see it. Yeah, like people were messaging me going, uh, "How do I watch the Ryder Cup?" And I said, "Or how do I watch the Walker Cup?" And I was literally messaging back saying. Uh, just follow our Twitter or our Instagram I said until Sky Sports pick it up I don't know it, it was shockingly bad like Sky Sports I pay it like, I have a dodgy box yes for the US streams and all that but I still pay my Sky Sports subscriptions and like there's a golf channel this is the biggest amateur golf event on the planet and they don't go to it until the singles on Sunday it's behind a red button for some of it I struggled to watch any of it on the first day uh, until it was a highlights reel and stuff like that. So without you being stuff, sending stuff in, I just thought, yeah, it was a sham- so shambolic. Hi- highlights package on here on the TV beside us, and they just skimmed through the results of the foursomes on Sunday, went straight to the singles. The yeah. foursomes is the best. Yeah, yeah. The experience of watching the foursomes was outrageous because the crowd is so much more concentrated. Like it's it's little. It's almost like being in your own little stadium around each match, and then for the twelve, the crowd kind of gets scattered, and it's not as good. Well, it's the ten mat ten ten matches, sorry, not twelve. But like with the four foursomes matches both days, it was just an outrageous experience. Who impressed you the most? Getting up close and personal to them. Who impressed me? Uh the Irish guys all did well, first and foremost. Uh John Goff, very impressive. Like to go out and be like the leading G B and I player in the rankings, that's a lot of pressure. Given the whole like furore around the Americans obviously being superior. Gordon Sargent's very impressive, like his swing He's only gone to the top swing and he's already hit the ball. Like he's yeah, yeah. rapid. It's the fastest golf swing I've ever seen. Um Nick Dunlap, very impressive, very gutsy player. Um Preston Summerhays is clinical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you He's an assassin. He is an assassin. He's really, really clinical. Um Dylan Manant is tidy as well, like he did very well. But like the Americans, they're all they all kinda of have similar swings as well. They all kind of bump the left hip going back and they're gone. So it's, it was tough looking through in some videos and like, this is the same person, but it's just not. Yeah. From a GB&I point of view, the two Scots, Callum Scott and Conor Graham, like that first day, first morning, they were outrageous. And the crowd following them was just incredible. Yeah. And that was really, it was a bold move from Stuart Wilson to pick a 16-year-old and to put them together then as well, two Scots, like, but they were really, really impressive. He did. The only, the only way that that, yeah, it was a bold move to pick a 16-year-old, but then... 
how unfortunate it was that Stuart Hagestad got his hands on him in the singles because he absolutely schooled him. Yeah, there was like, no, there was no way Hagestad like, was losing that game, and he didn't even Hagestad wasn't even at his best. He just he didn't make the mistakes that the kid made, mm. and that that was evident in that. Was a, like summing up the whole thing, we'll get into the Irish lads now in a second. But like day one, I thought we had them on day one. We really. They turned a screw, and like the difference was, I suppose day one, six matches went down to the 18th on day one of all the matches, and and GB and I won four and a half points from those matches. Yeah. We we claimed a lot of points late on. Day two, that just did not happen. No, it's the Ameri- like Americans, we wilted. Americans, a lot of their matches they won quite comfortably. Yeah, but and, and and even the ones that went down though, the pressure that was on our lads when it was coming down. Like I, I did feel sorry. Um, for a few of ours, they just they just looked a little bit more nervous, and the occasion got to them a little bit more. Then, and it's very few of them. I'd say I'd say about the young guy against um, against Hagestad, I would say that uh, Barkley Brown just really struggled. Like he should have comfortably won his match, and that was a pivotal turning point on the leaderboards throughout the day. You know, yeah, like um, the Irish guys, and this was. Reflected in the selections for the final day singles, they impressed really, really well. They were the difference on the first day. So Wilson put uh, four, four of the five, four of the five, four Irish in the last five matches. So you're expecting one Irish person to have a chance to hold the winning putt or make the winning point, whatever it might be. Puts Barkley Brown and John Goff kind of at the top top five matches with the two Scots and then James Ashfield. So you're hoping, worst case scenario, you get two points at least yeah. from Barkley Brown, from John Goff. John Goff. And we should have done it. it. John Goff gave it his all, in fairness to him. He just made a mistake Very uncharacteristic on was uncharacteristic. Very uncharacteristic. But Barkley Brown, like, you'll be kicking yourself. Oh, stop. No, I, I actually felt for him because you know, and we've all been there playing golf, when you just cannot feel the putter. Pro- like, he had putts there to do things, and he just didn't trust himself. You know, your three whole up, game just Three up to, before to play. Yeah. Bogeyed 15, double 16, bogeyed 17, and then just the most ridiculous three-foot on 18 you'll ever see. Yeah. Like, I was standing there on the side of the green, and I just couldn't believe what I was watching, because him and Dunlap, they're about equidistant. They had to get it stepped out to see yeah, who goes yeah. first. And Dunlap leaves it maybe, what, five, six feet short? Six-footer, yeah. And then Barkley Brown leaves it double like that distance. Ten-foot, And yeah, the, put, yeah. the put down was nearly worse as well. There was just no conviction in it whatsoever. And actually, in fairness to Dunlap, when... Your man gives you a bone, go and take it, and you got the put. Yeah. And like, I was like credit to him, but that was the that was the winning and losing of it because Caleb Surratt had already beaten Callum Scott three and two, Hagestad had beaten Conor Graham three and two, and Preston Summerhays kind of hammered James Ashfield. So at that stage, GB and I were very much up against it, and like to get a, to only get a half point out of Barkley Brown all week, and in that match felt like a loss, and then obviously it just kind of like. Dom- there was a domino effect from there. The Americans just yeah. steamrolled. They upped their game, though. Late on, you could tell the like. I really thought that because we had a bit of a lead going in, and then when I seen the weather, like totally different wind on the second day. Something that even though they were there a while, the Americans, it was a wind that wasn't there for the previous week, so they wouldn't have played that golf course in that wind, and they still rose to the occasion. Um, they did damage in the four balls in the morning or the foursomes in the morning. That's that's where it was won and lost. Yeah, like GB and I had three point lead going in. One had won both sessions, and you, I knew kind of if America turned this round, win the session three one, they'll go on to win it yeah. by five points. So they won it by three in the end. 
But, but it, it was it, the match, such the fine match. The Forsens matches again were tight. Like, yeah. Uh, John Goff and Matt McLean were beaten two and one. Conor Graham, Callum Scott were beaten on the 18th after battling back really, really well. Like they were two down after 12 holes and got it to all square with three to play. And then you had James Astrid, Alex McGuire beaten two and one again. They were well down at one point. They were three down turning, got it back to one. And then Liam Nolan and Mark Power were absolutely sensational. They came back from one down with four birdies in a row to win four and three. Like at one point in that foursomes, GB and I were down all four matches. Yeah. So they were really, really up against it in that session. And they almost kind of scraped away with a with a two two or even a two and a half, one and a half, which would have made a huge difference. But to lose three one was a killer. And it's so like when you add it all up at the end, like we're going through, um, like the pressure these guys are under, the microscope they are they're under. I was so um it's a weird thing to say, but so proud of the three Irish lads four. and how they performed. Or four Irish lads, sorry. Five. Five if you get golf. <laughs> but like, no, I was. They, like, how they stood up um, and to be counted all week, like, you know, the pressure that they're all under. But, um, and some of them knowing this is like, you know, like Mark Power, what he did, raising the Irish flag, emotional, like, very emotional moment for him to go out and do what he did in the golf course, win a singles match then as well mm. at the end, knowing that you're ending your amateur career. And knowing that in the, as far as the World Cup goes, the go, like, the your race has been run. Like, Matt McLean as well had to hold a five, six footer on the last to scrape a half and win the hole. Like, like to be mentally still tuned in to do that, I think says a lot about the person. Yeah. It was so, I had to laugh at Mark Power. There's no way them two boys meant to put their drives on the last hole down that close to the out-of-bounds on the right. Yeah, yeah, it was shaky. But he was there on the Saturday as well, and he got up and down. like With that it, front pin, like, it's the only place to miss. It's a good place to miss, but, it, like, you're fighting. You're uh, you're taking on a lot. But, no, it was it was so good. Like, them all with... Uh, Alex Maguire as well. Like, I, I, do you know what? One, one of the Irish guys that just stood, I thought Nolan was He was superb. superb. He I was just unbelievable. Thought, he was flawless. Like, he, was flaw- he looks an absolute baller, like a machine. Of all the players that I've seen over the last decade coming through, Irish-wise, there's something special about Liam Nolan. The game face on him yeah, is just no, ridiculous, there is, isn't it? There like really he is. was loving it. And this goes like, to show... Like a lot of was a lot was made about the rankings, like USA having everyone top twenty, eight of the top ten. But like the rankings are like so top heavy in USA's favour because of all the big collegiate events. Yeah, yeah. Like how's Liam Nolan supposed to get the rankings when he's in college in Galway? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like but these, that's what I mean, these but guys that's are every bit as good. It makes on their it so day. much it makes it so much better with him that he's not mixing it with those guys all the time. But when he's thrown into that spotlight, he like he's so he just looked as though he belonged, and he he will belong there for a long time to come. Like I, I just expect such big things for him. I think he will learn so much from this experience. Uh, I don't know what way the other guys will pan out. We know like Mark Powers going to turn pro. He's playing this week uh, his first pro start in the Irish Open. Exactly. Um, then we're looking at uh, you know Alex McGuire. He's a bit of college left to do. He'll probably turn pro early next year unless he gets his card through Q School or stuff like that. Matt McLean. I don't know, will he turn pro actually? Matt McLean's going back to the day job after this. Optometry, they're back, back to yeah, looking at people's back eyes. To earth, yeah. <laughs> but like, I know GB and I lost, but like, from an Irish point of view, there was such a feel good factor, so many great stories. Like, everyone won a point, yeah. which I think is class. 
and they all kind of particularly on the start of they stole the show like yeah. Alex Maguire was unbelievable with James Ashfield he's like so the put, gritty the put he held on 18 like yeah. under that pressure and this again the like, he, he spoke, like you have to earn these points like Matt McLean John Goff there was such a contrast in emotion like from um, McLean and Goff puffing at the cheeks because um, David Ford missed a like a sitter really to snatch a half from them and you're kind of going oh jeez thank god and then Maguire is a complete polar opposite like polter bug eyes the, you know, the arms bulging everything yeah. like when he holds that 15 footer it was it was such a tip of the hat as well to how how much the captains looked at how strong the Irish guys were that they lined them all up last to go out because they they were fully expecting that those pairings were handed in or that that format was handed in the night before so that's before the morning um, four balls were done um, so like the level of trust that he had in the Irish lads that they were like literally yeah. all the anchor matches. That if it comes down to this, these guys as a pod feeding off each other, a shot ahead of each other, you know, so they can mm. can draw off each other. And like it was the trust, the level of trust on it. It was good phenomenal. management. It just unfortunately didn't pan out that yeah. way. But you could see if if uh, GB and I got through those first five six matches, that like there would be this like kind of separate nearly tournament going on itself with the yeah. four Irish and last Ireland against matches. America. Yeah, honestly, it kind of <laughs> would have been. But just uh, f- before we move on, like the comebacks, Mark Power and Liam Nolan put on Saturday in their singles match were just simply scandalous. Yeah. Like Mark Power was three down with after twelve hole three down after eleven holes, sorry. And he birdied twelve, birdied fourteen, bogeyed seventeen and uh, birdied eighteen to win one up like. And then Liam Nolan, two down, five to play, plays his last five holes and three under par. Yeah. I just really hope like for Mark Power, I've always had him penciled down as someone that will go on to big things. But I think Mark Power this week will hit the ground like we've seen it in um Irish Opens before where you know I remember back in La Hinch like Robin Dawson made 70 80 grand like it was a Rolex series event went in put in a good round I just fancy Mark Power to do do something special at the K Club this week just he'll get he like I'm not going to say he's going to win a tournament in his professional debut you know but he won't be phased and the golfies after playing in the last year and the golfies coming off the back of in the last week there's a man that will go in there and will mix it and, and like don't be surprised if he's there or thereabouts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like the only thing which especially and then with John Goff playing as well, the only thing you'd worry about the two of them, just the emotion t- emotional toll that the week just gone will take will take on them. Yeah. But then again for Mark being his home event as a pro, like that's it's dream stuff. So oh, and like he's real. he's an adrenaline player like as well. Yeah. Like he feeds off good vibes. So I can see him going well this week as well. I wonder who he has in the bag. This week, that's a pro event. Yeah, be a strange one. I think he had um, so Leona's caddy. He had so when he played in because he played in Galgorm uh, in the Irish Open behind closed doors, and he had uh, yeah, he had uh, Dermot Byrne on the bag. So yeah, be interesting to see what he has uh, this week. But now one to look out for if you're getting down to the K Club. Right, enough on Walker Cup. The Americans won anyway. We can end it with that. Yeah, it was a pretty dominant display on the last day in the single. Things fell for them. They looked the more experienced players when they get into the heat of the moment. You know, way as an overall team, as an overall group, they just they kicked on. Yeah, they did. They did. But like, just a final note. Actually, Mark Parr, like bowing out in his amateur career, he's he sits joint second now for 
GB&I with the highest winning percentage in foursomes and he's third with the highest highest winning percentage in singles as well. And like he top scored for GB&I in his two of his Walker Cup years. Like it's a fabulous record. Oh, it's unreal. It is unreal. It's it's serious. Like he comes from serious stock. Like he's just he he is gonna kick on, but no, that's good. Um right. I don't know, did you see much of the KPMG women's oh, you, Open? You know what part of it I saw. <laughs> uh, no, right, we have to start this with the positives, right? A final round 62, uh, Denmark's uh, Samelia Sonderby uh, fires away into a playoff with 11 birdies in the final round, like in her 18 holes. She even had a bogey in there as well. Uh, like the bogey was laid on, it was on her 14th, but like she'd done some damage around the middle of the round, got herself into a three-way playoff and, uh, yeah, claims the KPMG Women's Irish Open. Uh, her first, ma- her maiden professional win, like, stuff dreams are made of. Yes, that is the headlines, but Anne Van Damme has... Oh, so funny. Like, <laughs> like but you know, like, it is mad, right? So Anne Van Damme, I actually have a lot of sympathy for her. Before we get into the, the playoff and what happened... Yeah, she she only she like she had this tournament wrapped up. I thought when she was going into the final round, like she was clear, she was heading on. Bit of a mixed bag in the final round. Um, I think she four four bogeys, five birdies in her final round. Like didn't you know mixed it up a bit. Missed a very short putt on the seventeen, like a three or four footer on seventeen, and meant she had to birdie the last to get into a playoff. Mindset was totally changed. Uh, yeah, it was it was cruel. It's like she she lost last year. She lost out in a playoff by a shot. She mm. tree jagged the last green. I was there on the Sunday. Three putted the last green to miss out in the playoff by a shot and sick. And then I just thought she was going to make amends this year, but no, she gets into the playoff. Being driven for anyone that hasn't seen it, like you're living under a rock, but why, driving down. Why are they going up that way? You I know, yeah, path, yeah. You clear path like, up the fairway <laughs> to the tee box. <laughs> so driving up and. She actually lifted the rope herself. Yeah. And then, the like, clotheslined the shit over her own bag. You won't just put the foot to the accelerator. And that was it. Clubs just snapped off. That was the second driver she'd snapped that week as well. She'd broken her driver earlier in the week. That's her and biggest weapon. It's her absolutely her biggest weapon. But she still hit whatever, three woods. Like, she, I, don't know what, like I don't know what she was cursing at. When, like, I know she's cursing, but, like, I don't know, like... The official that was driving her up. I don't know why she trying to blame the driver or who. You lifted the rope. Yeah, she <laughs> lifted the rope herself and let it snap back down, you know, so the way. So, um, yeah, but it was just... But she dusted herself down. She was fuming. Went back up, got three wood, hit a lovely three wood. I think she had six iron into the green. Um, and left herself like a 15-foot eagle putt and didn't hold it. And that was it. Game over. Um, but yeah, so you, unlucky. You gotta so feel, you gotta feel a lot of sympathy for Anne Van Dam, but you absolutely have to tip your hat to um, Sonderby. She oh, just hundred percent. This is a real kind of a horses for Dramon. It's a real horse for courses kind of a, an event, isn't it? Just looking at the leaderboard this year, a few names you recognise up there last year. Obviously Van Dam, uh, Dimuk as well. Spilakova, obviously very good defence, finishing eighth. Ursula Wikström. I think she made the playoff last year or maybe missed out by a shot. I can't quite remember. Christine Wolf was up there again. Obviously, Maguire, top 15, four rounds under par. Like, and it's just, and then you, you still felt it was just wasn't happening for her at all. 
Who, Leona? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It Even wasn't. though she was four rounds under par. It's a tough week for, like, uh, the, the most de- of her de- work de- is the off demand, the golf course. The demands on her are huge. Yeah, it's massive. And every, like, everything, literally, when she rocked up there from the Monday, she's just whisked off, taking photographs down on the cliffs of Moher with Tourism Ireland. Then every day she was doing stuff. She had the uh, books for birdies thing she was doing with KPMG. She was doing stuff with Playing Pink. She was doing stuff... Um, like that takes it out of you Yeah like even the American Irish fund Like she was donating stuff to Getting photographs of uh, stuff that she had donated to local schools And uh, she was the only one that had her own press conference Like a round table press conference before the event And I'd say she must have signed She has to have signed 5,000 autographs Throughout the week Has to have Because she did not walk by a child No And that is one thing that you will It's one thing we're so blessed about with Irish players uh, from top to bottom, no matter male, female, whatever, there there is not one that I could name that will not give back more than they pretty much take out of the game. And Leona, like she just she like she's tournament host pretty much, you know. She she ran the show, and yeah, it's a very very good like it's tied fourteenth, it's eight under par, but she uh, she spoke extremely highly, like she is the spokeswoman for this event. What she said afterwards, like so, there was a big, a big announcement on the other day. On obviously, that's Dromolan done and dusted. They've brought this thing back. They've resurrected it. Them and Forefront Sports put it on the map again, and uh, it has gone from strength to strength. And now they pass the baton on to Carton House. And Leona came out and she was speaking so well about it. She said, "I think Dromolan deserve a serious amount of credit." She said. They've put on a world-class event two years in a row. Carton House has a massive, massive shoes to fill. I don't envy them one bit. I think Dremoland has done an absolutely fantastic job. Even to listen to the LET girls, this is probably the best event they play bar the majors, and I'd even argue that this is better than some of the majors I've played this year. Again, I don't envy Carton House. Um, they've obviously held a couple of men's events a few times with Irish Opens and stuff, but they have very, very, very big boots to fill. And I totally agree with her. Like, uh, like what everyone down in, uh, like Mark Nolan, Eamon O'Donnell, the whole team down in Tremoland, what they've done start to finish with Keane Brannigan and Forefront Sports. Like, this tournament has now become a huge part of the Irish golf calendar. And it will go from absolute strength to strength. Yeah, like a f- fabulous, fabulous golf course, fabulous event run by brilliant people. Like we obviously had Mark down there this uh, last week at it. I was gutted to have missed it. Like in an ideal world, it would have been on this week. I'd walk up with him on last week or vice versa. But I was there last year and it was just incredibly well run. Even for media, like even the pre-tournament stuff, it's just so much there to do. So much, like they look after you incredibly well. Yeah. And like Carton House of like why the course might well be fabulous. There's so much more to running an event than just having a good golf course. How you treat people, things to do, how you, how you look after the players, like just a massive, massive shoes to fill, as Leona said. Stuff for families to do, stuff for kids to do. Yeah, stuff so for, much stuff going on. Yeah. And like this is a tournament that's had two fantastic years on its return to the schedule. It's really important Carton House get it right now as well next year to it keep is. this going. And I, I would like this event has done more in the two years that it's there to grow the game than any other event. Like, I'd include the main, like the Irish Open, the Dubai Duty Free Irish Open, Horizon Irish Open. That is, it's a tough tournament to get into. It's expensive to go to. 
Um, you know, the range is kind of unapproachable. Players are about, it's a different level, a different feel of um, disconnect, mm. I would say. The, the, the main men's Irish Open, like you're saying, you went to the Walker Cup, you were filled full of absolute... Don't really want to go this week, to be no, honest with you. No, but that's the thing. <laughs> but the, the, what the KPMG Women's Irish Open and Dramoland have done over the last two years is made golf approachable for not I, I would go beyond it's not just it's not just aimed at women and girls like there are young boys their first golf event will be the KPMG Women's Irish Open and they get in so close to players and yeah. like they'd nearly be disappointed when they go to the Irish Open and, and they just can't see Michael Roy because yeah uh, of course that's just know, it's the unfortunate, unfortunate part it's not reality, Rory's yeah. fault but like I, obviously I wasn't there this week but my moments from last year's event was Rebecca Gardner goes in signs her card first things first Back down the fairways to watch Leona. Like, yeah. That's just class. Yeah. And like looking at, so again, another part of this is how many of our home players got into this field. Like we were saying at the start of the week, I think we had 10 players in uh, in the field. So and low how many arm of them for the week. performed really well that's too. That's the thing, low arm for the week. Sarah Byrne, it's her, sec- her second time teeing it up in this event. She ended an unbelievable week as low amateur for the week. She posted four under, um, two under in the final round, four under for the tournament, take low amateur honours, and four of the seven amateurs that teed it up made the cut, which is class to see. Um, And yeah, Sarah burns straight back into it. There's no rest for the wicked. As we speak, like it's Monday, she's flying back to Miami now, her college starts. She's her first tournament next week. Uh, so she's straight back out having it, and like she's had some summer when she's come home. She she's enjoyed the summer home. Highlight, obviously, she won second Irish close in Connemara. Uh, the coupled that coupled with like the LET access series event she's playing, and now she's looking forward to taking that form stateside again, uh, taking what she's done um, at the KPMG Women's Irish Open. So no, it's it's been absolutely class. It's been totally good. The only one thing I'd like to see, like. With all this, and we talk about how good it is, how great it is, the platform. I could not believe when I was looking at the payout. Yeah, it's 60 grand for 60 the winner. 60 grand for winning poor. an event. That's like, it's a lot of money. But like, that probably costs her five grand to come across here. Stay, caddy, food, uh, travel, all that sort of stuff. Like, 60 grand first, 30 grand second, and then like, fourth. Kirsten Rugley, 18 grand. Annabelle Dimmock, 13 and a half grand for fifth. Like, Leona, we're saying Leona. It's one of those, you don't finish in the top 10, you're probably making a loss for the week. Leona finished tied 14th, and she made 6,800 euro. That's nothing to her. It's poor. It's just a poor way, like, that... She could give give that six grand to Dunsany again, like she did there during the week. (laughs) But it is, like, you know, that's it. Leona rocked up this week, gave 25 grand to different schools with the American-Irish partnership. And she gives away 25 grand and makes 6,800. Now, I know she's not giving that out of her own pocket, but she's still involved in doing it. Like, there's some way. But it's, uh, yeah, we need to do more on the LET. Mm. We just need to get prize funds up. When you look at what... Some of these women are playing for in the majors. They're playing for proper money, big money. And I see it more than not. Like, it is such a two-tiered system now in women's golf of the haves and the have-nots. And we need to support, like, something needs to happen with the, the LET to get prize funds up because the appetite is there. 
like that commercial experience for any sponsor that was involved with the KPMG Women's Irish Open is it's it's blatant to see how good of an experience, how good of an event, and we need to pay the players more for doing what they're doing. They're putting on the show. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And you might even get some bigger names across as well. Yeah. Like that, and the money wouldn't have to go up that much for that to happen either. It's Surely they can see the benefits of, I don't know what the lifespan is of the World Invitational as a like LPGA co-sanctioned event. Why can't this not be a co-sanctioned event with the Yeah, this LPGA? could be huge. It could be absolutely off the charts. Strap this in as like, a three-way swing with the Scottish Open, yeah. the Open Championship, like they try to do with the men. And pop Ireland into that as well and see this event grow and flourish. It, it, it would be class. Like outside of the majors and probably the Scottish Open has just mentioned, this probably even now is the biggest event on the LAT, but this could be seismic. Yeah, it could be massive. It should be. It's like, like it's their Wentworth, you know, sort of way. It's, 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 it's turned into that sort of a spectacle, which is mad to say because it's only, we've only had two of them. Mm. You know, it was gone for 10 years. It was disappeared off the off the radar, you know. So, uh, no, fair play to everyone involved in that. Uh, we'll stop waxing lyrical about that. But, no, I just thought it, it deserves such respect in what everyone has done for it. And, and fair play to everyone in Drumoland and on to Carton House next year. Right, roundup. What else are we looking at? I see Johnny Caldwell as a strong finish. This week on the Challenge Tour, he, he, um, he's going he's, well again, isn't he? He's pumped his way back into it. I think I was looking at the race to Mallorca rankings this morning. We were saying a few weeks ago about, like, you know, it was Connor Purcell was the only one inside the top 50 and pushing on. He had a good result, kicked himself up near the top 30. He's knocking on the door of it. Um, Caldwell, is, I think he's up to 57th now in the race to Mallorca rankings. Uh, finished strong. These little things that we say on these, like, and... and why I'm looking at Johnny, which he wasn't doing last year when he had his main card. He finished with three birdies. Yeah, he's uh, finishing well. He's finishing rounds well. So, he, like, his Sunday afternoon, no matter where you are in the field, once you're playing on Sunday, if you finish with three birdies, you're making serious Yeah, you're making, you're making progress. And you're making points. The money's irrelevant. You're making points. You're gathering your way up. And that got him just outside the top 20 for a finish of a week that he didn't really kick on, but he'll come away with a good taste in his mouth. And then you're facing into... The K Club, he's in the Irish Open when he won. Um, he won the Christy O'Connor Trophy. He'll have a big... So he won the Christy O'Connor Trophy down at uh, Hedford uh, last month, so on the Challenge Tour as leading Irish player. So he'll take a big crowd from Clandy Boy down. That'll be savage. You know, yeah, that will be good. hope he can make the most of it. I'd love, because like Caldwell, I'd love to see him paired with Rory McIlroy. That would happen. Hmm? Don't be ridiculous. I know it won't happen, but I would love to see it. You know, they're old Walker Cup partners. They've known each other a long time. They grew up in the same golf teams and stuff like that. It would be a nice thing for them to do because I think Johnny would, Johnny would flourish under that microscope. I think I think he'd enjoy it, um, and yeah, like he deserves it. We we need to put one of the. Irish, like imagine that, imagine sticking Mark Power out with Rory McIlroy. Mark Power, <laughs> in fairness, the draw he should get in the Irish Open is Harrington. Yeah, he that should would help do. They, they, need to put, they need to look at this and Especially after playing Walker guys. Cup, you're, you're on the map to a certain Absolutely. degree. Like, you know. Absolutely. You learn so much from it. But, um, but Speaking of a, another guy who you said finishing strong, like John Murphy, two cuts in a row, yeah. obviously... He doesn't really want to be celebrating making cuts. He has much higher aspirations, but he's finishing his Friday rounds very well. Yeah, well he which took, I think is he took really the time to that see. he needed to take. He's he's got on top of whatever issues he thought he had there, 
and he's he's dealt with them very publicly and he's kicking on and that that's all you can ask. Like only, it, only thing you'd say it didn't didn't quite happen for him over the weekend, but that was a cut made in a big Europe big DP World Tour event and like he's got momentum now behind him going into the Irish Open this week. Yeah. You've on the DP World Tour event then as well. So like obviously you're talking the Amiga mm. Masters. Um Harrington finished well, did like sixty five uh, the finish on the Sunday is good. He's shown signs. He, he like he knew his Ryder Cup aspirations were dead in the water a few weeks ago, but like he still rose to the occasion. Tom McKibben, sixty two, like mm. serious going. Did you see? Did you look at his scorecard? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. He had eleven birdies in his last fourteen yeah. holes. <laughs> like he just went mental around the middle of the round. He had five in a row, six in a row either side of the turn. And then he finished a five and six. Like it just—it's frightening after how shooting, talented shooting, that kid. Is. After shooting three over on the Saturday, yeah. <laughs> but like we're going on, like we've spent. Where are we now? We're we're like we're fifty minutes. We're going on about like you list. We've listed off like elite amateur women. You know, with like Sarah Byrne. Uh, we're going up to Leona Olivia Mahaffey. He's back in the game. She's there. back in the game. Like John Murphy's there. Like we have Caldwell showing signs. We've Tom McKibben kicking on shooting sixty twos. The older guys then Harrington like Shoney still like from top to bottom has Irish golf ever had a deeper gene pool of unbelievably talented people that are just kicking on on a global scale? Ah, uh, I wouldn't go that far. No, we are. We are. Now, like, this is a, it's obviously been a great week, but we still have an issue with like what's below McIlroy, Larry, Power. Like obviously McKibben's there now as well, but we still have still have issues. In depth wise, but like it was a it was a very good week for Irish golf, and what happened at the Ryder Cup? <laughs> is that happened, is that a nice way of telling me to calm down yeah, and get a drink? Yourself. Just chill the fuck yeah, out. Just, like, <laughs> just relax now for a few minutes. Like. <laughs> right, I'll just take deep breaths there. Sorry. Let's see how many missed the cut this week. <laughs> uh, no, but it is. Oh but God. like, it is great to see so many Irish. Oh, I meant to be the common sense one here, not you. It is great to see so many Irish players playing this week in the K Club, and after having a great week or great couple of weeks as well like there's a feel good factor like that lots of these guys can do well that's yeah. what I'm going to say yeah no you're right you're right no, I need to cool the jets a little but like I'm just excited Tom Hoagie's playing it's going to be an unreal week if he keeps the shirt on <laughs> um, right in roundup anything else to cover in roundup well there were a few scratch cup wins over the weekend Rob Moran followed up his Irish close win with a scratch cup win in Dunleary and Anna Ebom won the the ladies uh, version It's an interesting one They both attracted Very good fields Ahead of the AIG Finals coming up uh, Jake Foley Won by 8 shots In Mallow And David Kish Won in Castle Troy That's pretty much it Yeah Right Heroes and villains The piece everyone Waits around for <laughs> uh, I, I don't know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first With my hero for the week Go on and It's an unusual one. I'm going to give it to Keegan Bradley He took his Ryder Cup snub Like an absolute hero uh, you know, he just admitted I'm not part of the click. The post that he put up online with his stuff, he still hasn't opened a suitcase mm. since I Madonna found, yeah, in 2012. That was really very tough yeah, to see and very stuff, like. like he, yeah, he's just not part of that click that's there. I feel for him, and he took it like a pro. He didn't bitch and moan publicly anyway. And yeah, I'll give him the hero of the week. Uh, I have two heroes. Uh, well, I could say all four Irish lads in the World Cup, but Mark Power and Liam Nolan in particular, just for the four birdie stretch on Sunday morning like the shot Mark Power played into 11 instead of the birdie to kick start was just outrageous like lads were coming like 60 yards short of that green yeah. not even getting up to the top tier sometimes so to 
that was a great shot, great week. Uh, on villain, I don't really have too many villains. To I've one I villain. Was, I was in quite a nice and sanitized uh, environment, <laughs> environment. For the weekend. Now I have a villain, Ryanair. When I seen what happened over the weekend, I know yeah they delayed your oh, flight. They last delayed night my flight, yeah. Right, but yeah, yeah what, sort of what fuckers. Happened what happened Ian. with Ian St John? So Terrible. he's booked in flying from Cork Airport over to Formby Hall for an Edgar event uh, this week. Like he shouldn't have to take for anyone that doesn't know Ian St John. Like he's paralyzed. He's an ex. He is a PJ pro, um, but he was paralyzed a few years ago. And his story's online if you want to read up on it. But he's getting back into golf now, playing these Edge events. He has a specialized mobility scooter that he uses for playing golf that actually stands him up and does stuff. So he'd all the paperwork done to fly across, everything done. Went to the airport like six hours early, six hours before yeah. his flight or something like that. And they wouldn't let him on. Even have to do that. They wouldn't let him on. He went there just thinking. Now he was trying to catch a Liverpool match. He's a big Liverpool fan, Um, and yeah, they wouldn't let him on. And like literally, I just I didn't know what to say. I tried to ring him there this morning. I know he was on to Aer Lingus trying to get on and trying to get across. I hope he has got across, and he's got to go and play in uh, the Edgar event this week in Formby Hall. But yeah, Ryanair are fucking disgrace. Like you should not. That should not be happening. It should not take someone to have to go online to. To do that, they're an easy villain this week, but it's low, low hanging fruit. But yeah, hopefully Ian got over. Hopefully, and uh, yeah, if if you have any choice, avoid Ryanair. If you have any choice, avoid them. I say that I'm booking flights left, right, and centre yeah. with them. But like sometimes you just don't have a choice. But yeah, it's it's just bad form. You just can't be at that sort of stuff. And it is discrimination. You had all the paperwork there. You had everything done. They just won't let them on. What a sour note to end on, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. It's sad. <laughs> really good started, podcast. Started, really good off, chat. We started off sour about my Irish mom. golf is a disaster. It's in a mess. You have me now. You have me. You have you have me soured. Um, Leeds didn't win. Like he must be pissed off. No, no, Leeds didn't lose. You have to look at the positivity. Nil all draw with Sheffield Wednesday is okay. You know, HMS fifteenth in the league. He's <laughs> fifteenth. Yeah, we're fifteenth. I think. Yeah, we're flying. But shouldn't he six points? Six points off automatic. Double relegation. We're crying. Six points off automatic. Um, right now, I think that's that's a wrap for this week. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Right, and another big week anyway with the Horizon Irish Open. Uh, I won't be here this time next week. Uh, Ronan will be doing something with Mark. I'm off on my holidays for a couple of weeks. So yeah, toodle pip. See you after. <laughs> See you after. <laughs> right, cheers for tuning in. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, chat to you in some shape or form next week after the Irish Open for a recap of that. So talk to you soon.